0: Imagine with me if today you did something so unusual but so good that people were still talking about it thousands of years later. Today's story in the book of Mark chapter 14 is about a woman who did just that. Mark 14 verse one. The Passover and the festival of unleavened bread were only two days away, and the chief priests and the teachers of the law We're scheming to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him, but not during the festival, or the people may riot. When the authorities are afraid of the people, it can be a bad thing or it can be a good thing. The authorities were afraid that if they arrested Jesus in broad daylight, the crowds that were around him since Palm Sunday... might turn on them. Jesus was extremely popular. He'd been in Jerusalem every day since Sunday uh, for the Passover. And Passover, you'll remember, is the season when Jewish people back then were really restless. Restless for a Messiah, a Savior, to help them cast off the Roman oppressors. The chief priests Threatened by this, now what they would say was, "Well, they, it was for the good of the people that this was a false Messiah, and uh, he needed to be stopped before this this ridiculousness uh, continued." And that's what they were going to do, but they were going to wait till after the Passover, when the, most of a lot of his fans were from the north and they would go home. But that was before this dinner. After dinner, the plan changed because of what happened in this home in the village of Bethany, just over the hill of, of, of Olives there, uh, in a home of a man named Simon the leper. And it's fascinating. True to form, by the way, Jesus is having uh, dinner in the home of Simon the leper. We don't know if, if Jesus had healed him of leprosy. Jesus was known to hang out with people that other people wouldn't hang out with, so it wouldn't be anything for him to tell his disciples that they were going to accept a dinner invitation at the house of a wealthy man who had leprosy. While they're eating dinner, verse 3, a woman came in with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on Jesus' head. Pure nard, a fragrance that grows, uh, it's imported from India, or it was then, I don't know. So uh, there's a plant that grows in the Himalayas, and they extract nard from this uh, this plant. An unopened bottle of this stuff was worth a year's wages. Women were known to, to, to somehow obtain a bottle of this and then just hang on to it not open it in case she needed money later. But today this woman is going to break open the bottle and pour it all out on Jesus because of something he had done for her and we don't know what that was, we don't even know her name. He had earned her love, her respect, her, her worship. Maybe like Simon's mother, he had healed her. Maybe like Mary from Magdala, he had delivered her from demons. Or maybe he had just treated her like an equal. Maybe he was the first man to have really seen her. The first teacher to allow her to, to learn from, from them. Whatever it was, she, uh, she loved him so much that she poured out this expensive offering on him. And she did it without a word. She, she didn't warn anybody that she was about to fill the room with this powerful smell and completely wreck the meal. By the way, <laughs> she didn't explain what she was doing as she did it. It's Jesus was choking, no doubt, from, from just the, the the concentration of this, this uh, we call it spike nard now. You can buy it. It's a it's a fragrance. It's not a mild fragrance. It's a it's good. It, no, it doesn't smell bad. It just you don't you wouldn't want a lot of it. The reason that, the reason that well, you know what it's used for, right? I mean, what you know what it was used for? When you wrap a body, you would pour nard and other spices on to as the body decomposes, you want to mask that that horrible smell. Because you have to re-enter that cave with other bodies later and you just this smell was the smell that reminded women, anyway, of, uh, of wrapping a loved one after they had uh, passed away. So here she dumps it on Jesus, and, she doesn't, she, and then she doesn't ask anyone's opinion of what she's done. She's just sitting there, but then the reaction is swift, and it is harsh. The custom was for men to eat at their table and to, for women to eat at their table. So it's a room full of men. So that already is uh, uncomfortable for her. She crossed over a line. And... But they criticize her, which is, which is fascinating because it's a room full of Christ followers. No, no one, I don't think anyone would have a problem with this woman expressing some, her affection for Jesus in appropriate ways. But this was way over the top. The bottle was now empty and just laid on the floor, and, 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 and they started criticizing. They just immediately, they said, what a waste. If she wanted to show worship, if she wanted to show respect, if she wanted to show that she was on Jesus' uh, side or team or the under, even understood Jesus, she would have never wasted this. It was a waste. They keep using this word, waste. She should have sold that jar and and then the money, she could have given it to the poor. But no, she she squandered it. You know, I think it's easy to criticize someone else's uh, good act if it's more than anything you would have ever done. Someone doing really extravagant things can make you uncomfortable, maybe even a little judgmental. Her critics said that they were all the opinion that there would have been a much better use of this offering. Not that any of them planned on letting go of a year's wages to feed the poor, but you know, that's, a different, that's, a different, that's different. When you ponder their reactions, you see that her actions pointed out something about her, but also pointed out something about them. The value of a gift communicates how you value the person you're giving it to. So she obviously valued Jesus more than any of these other guys did, and they didn't even know it. Her extravagant outpouring was in reaction to his extravagant gift to her, and she alone, she just stands out as saying, he's worth it, he's worth it. They see it as waste, she sees it as worship. She wants her worship to be expensive. She wants to give Jesus this gift, and he seems to want to receive it. He's obviously touched by by what she does. Look, Look what he says in verse six. Leave her alone, James. Matthew, hush up. Judas, who are you to talk? Why are you bothering her? She's done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you. And you can help them anytime you want, guys. But you won't always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Truly, I tell you, whenever the the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in in memory of her. And you know, we are the fulfillment of Christ's prophecy. Here we are 2,000 years later, and we're still talking about her. She's accused of being wasteful. Jesus says she's beautiful. She's accused of being inappropriate. Jesus says what she had done is not only appropriate, but needed. Whether she knew it or not, Jesus was about to die. I won't always be around, he says to them. I'm right here, right now. And it's true, he'll only be alive now for 48 hours. She's the only one who doesn't squander this, this last opportunity. She works alone to anoint the body of Jesus for burial while he's still alive. And everyone else misses the moment. So sitting with this story has caused me to wonder this week, how many times in my lifetime have I missed the moment? When have I been like these guys around the table? When have I been like Moses, standing on holy ground, I don't even know it? When should my reaction to the Lord have been more focused, more, more intense, more extravagant? The disciples should have known better. She's, she's accused of acting inappropriately. They're the ones that have been hanging out with them for three and a half years. But when am I the same as these men? not rising to her defense, not joining her, not praising her for her insight as she leads us in worship. She matches Jesus' extravagant sacrifice with her extravagant worship. It was appropriate, it was was perfect, Jesus says. When have I ever done anything for the Lord Jesus Christ that comes even close to what this woman did that day? When did I even have the resources in my hand but I refused to give them? All, I mean, all of them. i don't you know, dole it out. Why am I so measured in my, my response to God? Maybe I call it being disciplined. Maybe he calls it being stifled. Why don't I let myself go in my service to God and my worship to God? Am I, why, am I, maybe I'm concerned about the people that are watching me. Why do I do that? Don't I understand how much he's done for me? Don't I want to thank him for that? Why have I never been criticized for giving too much to the Lord? You know, I was thinking about this, this fragrance this week. Uh, uh, my friend picked me up a, a, a bottle of it. She heard me talk about it, and now she said, Well, you know, they still have that. And I'm, she goes, It's called Spikenard. You, you can just get it, it's a fragrance. And I'm like, All right. <laughs> Whoa, strong. She poured out, it would have been at least a liter, maybe more, uh, on his head. I wonder how long that fragrance lingered in his hair, in his beard. I'm holding it right here, and it's still just almost knocking me back. I wonder how long it was in his clothing. I mean, did, did John smell it the next night when he sat close to Jesus and leaned in on him at dinner? Surely he did. Did Judas smell it in the Garden of Gethsemane when he gave him that betraying kiss? A hypocrite. On Friday, when the soldiers were gambling for his uh, seamless garment, Jesus apparently had a ni- one nice piece of clothing that he wore a lot. Of. And uh, and they 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 usually split up this the, that was you know kind of the, the final insult is while the guy's hanging on the cross the things that he retained and hid they would they'd gamble and split it up but they got to got to his uh, his his linen garment and they didn't his shirt they didn't want to tear it to pieces because it was so nice so they said well we'll we'll throw bones and we'll see who gets it the guy who won it did he go home and then go Wow! What is this? Why is this guy, friends? I now you you gotta you gotta go back to the book of John because the same story is recorded in the book of John. And because it's a little bit different, people think it's two different stories. But I think it's the same story. And in this, in the in how John records it, the woman also. Anoints Jesus' precious feet, and 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 then her takes her hair down, which and really inappropriate, and and wipes his feet with her hair. I wonder how long she smelled like Jesus. You know, that's what real worship is, by the way. Worship is being at Jesus' feet, and then when you when you go away, other people smell that fragrance. They, 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 they. they Something, something about you reminds them of the Lord. And you know, smells trigger memories. This has been proven. Uh, sometimes the memories are subconscious. You'll smell something and it takes you back. Um, uh, and uh, imagine these guys at this dinner. Um, from now on, the rest of their lives, they get a strong smell. They're in, a, they're in the, the marketplace or whatever, nard. There's nard. Consciously or subconsciously, they would be back in that room watching that woman worship. Tomorrow night at at dinner, Jesus will say, guys, uh, remember me. Don't forget me. That's what some of us have been attempting to do since Ash Wednesday, and as embarrassing as it is, it is hard for six weeks to celebrate Lent. It's hard to celebrate anything for six weeks, especially when nothing in society is reminding you of it. I mean, Christmas now, we celebrate it. We start about July now. But no one, no, you don't go somewhere and somebody says, hey, don't forget to celebrate Lent today. And Lent is what? It's, 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 it's entering into Christ's grief. It's entering into Christ's passion. It's remembering Christ. And sometimes we'll give up something so the craving for chocolate or coffee or whatever will remind us. But usually by now, most of us have kind of fudged on that. Because it's just a long time to do the same thing. And, but now we're in that final week of remembering Jesus. This Friday we'll celebrate Good Friday here. Please, yeah, boy, if you can come, you should come. The sermon on Friday will be so different than the one on Sunday because Friday we're talking about the cross. As we remember Jesus. I would just say don't let this week be the same as every week of the year. Uh, find, find Jesus. Bring him whatever your alabaster jar looks like. Worship He's worthy of that. Well, there was one person that didn't, think, didn't agree. Verse 10, then Judas Iscariot, one of the 12, went to the chief priests to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted to hear this. They promised to give him money. So he watched for an opportunity to hand Jesus over. This rabbi obviously doesn't know how to act like a messiah. I was hopeful on Sunday, but then when he entered the temple and did absolutely nothing, Judas, I think, is trying to even force Jesus' hands to force a confrontation. You know, surely the, Jesus won't allow them to kill him. Going to the, the high priest, he offers Christ up, and the, the plan to kill Jesus is in play because now they don't have to arrest Jesus during the day. Judas will tell them where to find Jesus at night when the adoring crowds are Asleep. Judas, who accused this, mo- this woman of wasting money to worship Jesus, now accepts 30 pieces of silver to betray Jesus. It's a chilling to, to read the story in the original language, because in the Greek, the, the word waste that, the, that Judas uses is the Greek word apaleia, which, which, which can also mean squander, but it also can mean destroy lost or perdition, this old English word, perdition. Now, if you know Jesus' prayer from the book of John on the Last Supper, he refers to Judas as the son of perdition. He uses the same word Judas used, the son of waste, a wasted son. Well, let's cheer up a little bit. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, when it was customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples asked him, Where do you want us to go and make preparations for you to eat the Passover? So he sent two of his disciples, telling them, Go into the city, and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. Say to the owner of the house he enters, The teacher asks, where is my guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He'll show you a large room upstairs, furnished and ready to roll. Make preparations for us there. The disciples left, went into the city, and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. This is cool. Jesus, uh, remember, on Sunday he had sent them looking for a colt that was already ready. Now he sends them looking for a room that was already. Ready, And he said, the way you'll find it is look for a man carrying water. And when he goes into a house, ask the host there, do you have an upper room? Yeah. Are you prepared for the teacher to have Passover here? Yeah. And then prepare Passover there. Now, for us, that'd be like, well, we've got, we have to search the whole city. There'll be, How will we know which man carrying water? Well, for them, it's, not a, it's a no-brainer because men didn't carry water back then. So to find a man carrying water, that would only be in one neighborhood. That would be in an Essene neighborhood. The Essenes were a sect who baptized every day and they carried their own water because they wanted to know where the water came from before they were baptized in it. So a man carrying water would be in an Essene neighborhood. The Essenes were friends with John the Baptist. John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin. Therefore, they're friends of Jesus. Therefore, an upper room in an Essene neighborhood would be a safe place, a secret place, for them to have Passover. A place Judas wouldn't know anything about. Verse 16, 17, when evening came, Jesus arrived with the 12. While they were reclining at the table eating, he said, truly, I tell you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They were saddened, and one by one, they said to him, surely you don't mean me. They still don't suspect Judas. They even say, "Could could, could that be me? And Jesus says, well, it is one of the 12. But one who dips bread in the bowl with me tonight. Well, that would just be four, four guys. Whoever can reach into the same dipping bowl. The Son of Man will go just as it's written about him. But woe to the man who betrays the Son of Man. While they were eating, Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to disciples, saying, take it, this is my body. Well, wait. What happened? Is Judas sitting there during Holy Communion? No. John is the one that tells us that when Jesus said that, he took some bread and 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 handed it to Judas. In Middle Eastern meals like this are very intimate. Very a lot of hands. A lot of you might even put something in someone else's mouth while you're just laughing and you you make them a dream bite, you know. And it's it's that's why you don't sit down and have Table fellowship with an enemy. Jesus is offering him one last chance. It says Judas took the morsel of food and then he was gone. What you're about to do, Jesus said, do quickly. While they're eating, Jesus took the bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take it. This is my body. For us, all of a sudden we start thinking about Holy Communion and what we'll be sharing at the end of this service. For them, they're just thinking about Passover. This is the Passover matzo. Jesus had earlier called himself the bread of life. In one really controversial sermon, he had said, eat my flesh as if it is bread, drink my Blood as if it is wine. Well, how would they understand that? I don't even understand it, with all the hindsight we have. But now he gives thanks for the for the matzo, and he breaks it, and he says, "This is me." Now, now normally when the the host at Passover would break that that matzo, they're supposed to say. This is the bread of affliction which our fathers ate in the land of Egypt. Let everyone who hungers come and eat, come and eat the Passover meal with us. But Jesus completely changes the script now and forever, saying, This matzo, it's me. This is who you've been celebrating for, say, 1400 years since Egypt. Me. I'm unleavened, I'm sinless. I'm striped like this matzo. Ma- macho. Wait, you'll see it. I'll be per- pierced just like this bread. It's, it's, it's me. The matzo God commanded you to consume at Passover is me. And what I'm about to do in my flesh will change Passover forever. Verse 23, Jesus took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and they all drank from it. This is the blood of the covenant which is poured out for many. He said, truly I tell you, I'm not gonna drink this again until the day when I drink it new in the the kingdom of God. Now this is the Passover cup. There are four cups at Passover. Now we look back and we realize they're all about Jesus. The four cups of Passover. The first cup is, I will rescue you. I will bring you out. The second cup, I will, I will, I will free you. You will no longer be slaves. The third cup, the, the host raises it and toasts redemption. I will redeem you. And the fourth cup, I will take you to Sinai and make you into a people. I will covenant with you as my people. And now Jesus comes at Passover to fulfill Passover and just like with the bread Jesus changes the script with the wine and instead of toasting the past he toasts the future because he's not celebrating the old covenant he's celebrating a new covenant the old covenant given to them at Sinai Jesus was there But now he's going to a greater mountain, Mount Calvary, where he's going to give them a new covenant that's about to be sealed with his blood. And he said, drink this. This is the blood of the covenant. This new covenant is not just between God and Israel. It's between between God and everyone. For God has so loved the entire world that he gave me. Christ becomes the new Passover. The blood of Christ, the, the blood of a spotless lamb, as, as John the Baptist had said, when he introduced him to everyone. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. His blood is about to be shed to atone for our sin. The blood of Christ can break any bondage. Jesus, by his blood, purchases the covenant for us at Calvary. He is the rescuer. He is the redeemer. He is the one that takes us to himself and makes us his people, on the night that Jesus is breaking the bread with these precious, precious hands of his, hands that had healed the sick, hands that had raised the dead, hands that had calmed the storm, now these hands will be pierced and blood will be flowing for our redemption. Well, verse 26, Mark tells us that Passover's over, so they sang hymns and headed out, for the mount, headed for Gethsemane. And we don't often think of Christ singing, do we? But he did. He sang with them. Uh, I, you know, and I can't imagine singing, on knowing what he knew was coming. I mean, could you sing, knowing this? I mean, already that sense of dread must have been coming over him. I think it's wonderful that they sang, but you say, well, what, what did they sing? And we, act, we, we probably know, because at the end of Passover, Psalm 116, Psalm 117, Psalm 118, these are, these are the Hillel. Uh, it's where we get the, the, the word hallelujah. It's how they wrapped up Passover. So I sat with Psalm 116, 117, 118, as I prepared to preach you, and I began to see... I, I, I put myself in the, and, and, and I could see how these, these words of this song, as Jesus sung them, as he heard his best friends singing, singing this song, how it would have comforted them. You know, a good song comforts you. I pulled some of the phrases out of, out of these psalms, uh, for and I want to I wanna read them to you. I would sing them to you, but that would be an incredible distraction. You would never forget it, but... Uh, <laughs> Let me just read these to you. Um, hey, close your eyes. And let me read to you what Je- the, some of the words that Jesus would have sung that night on his way to Gethsemane. The cords. The cords of death entangled me. The anguish. The anguish of the grave came upon me. I was overcome. Overcome by trouble. Overcome by sorrow. But then I called on the name of the Lord. Lord, save me, I cried. For you, O Lord, have delivered my soul already from death. You have delivered my eyes from tears. You have delivered my feet from stumbling. I will lift up the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. The Lord is with me. The Lord is my helper. I will look in triumph on my enemies. I I was, I was pushed back and about to fall. The Lord helped me. The stone. I am the stone that the builders rejected. Yet I have become the capstone. The Lord did this. It's marvelous in his eyes. So I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? We'll end our time today on each campus by sharing communion. Now the ushers are preparing now to, to serve us. After a sermon like this, we need to have the taste of that bread in our mouth. We need to have the taste of, 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 of wine. We need, to, we need to have a sensory experience that God has given us. It, it's the Christian Passover. We prepare our hearts before we take communion by by clearing out any clutter, any distracting thought. Communion focuses us on what is important as Christians. It's important to remember Jesus, his body, his blood. So the ushers will serve you, and then please hold the cup and the bread until everyone is served, and then... uh, and then we'll, we'll we'll take it together. Let me pray. Father, focus our minds now. Search our hearts, Lord, and clear out the the leaven of sin in our in our hearts that has accumulated since the last time we took holy communion. Just sweep it out like the father at Passover. And Lord, as we participate in this, Lord, we focus on your your broken body, your sinless life. We focus on the blood that was shed to seal the covenant between God and us. We look back to the cross, but we also look forward to life this week as we bring the kingdom to earth. Lord, we look forward even to our own passing, and we're not afraid of death because of what we will celebrate this weekend. And we're not afraid of life either. Jesus, we are remembering you like you asked us to do.